When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. In this league, Podcast Network presents... Prospect One. The Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. With your host, Chris Welch. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, Prospect One. What is up? Chris Welsh in the house, a.k.a. the Welsh. Another one. A.k.a. the Prospector. Another one. A.k.a. Prospectolingus. All right, now we're getting too much. I'm just like, I've been listening to too much logic lately. Mid, uh, mid-30s listening to like rap music that's been around for like 15 years. But what is happening back with the Prospect Podcast today? And we're kind of bringing it back a little bit to some of the normal episodes of uh, what I've been doing in the past with the top 10, not 10. We are going to be talking about some of the big rank movement I did in my last update. And we got another update that's coming here very, very shortly. And we'll also be talking about a bunch of the guys that have been called up. A bunch of prospects have been brought up. And the trade deadline is about to make some crazy movement for probably a few more prospects. As well, a little blurb at the end, we're starting to get some Arizona Fall League information. So I'm very excited about that. And we got some great episodes still coming up for you. Even though we've kind of been bi-weekly lately, I'm still really looking to try to get this uh, weekly as soon as we possibly can. Ironically, we'll probably have it weekly when we get into the Arizona Fall League time and all that stuff. But we're working on some good stuff. Still working on that international podcast, which I may just do myself. I've been doing some good work on that. Still looking for a guest. May even hit some 2018 draft stuff here in the future, but we still got you covered for this season. You can find everything I got going on over at inthisleague.com. Looking on a new site rebuild, hopefully pretty soon. But if you're a baseball fan, there's a bunch of cool stuff on there. Like I said, we may have a few more write-ups starting to come up on prospect stuff, even though we try to make it podcast-centric. I, on the baseball podcast, if you don't listen to, I, I created this new metric with uh, an ITL member, Sorio. He kind of did the, as I explained it, I'm the Steve Jobs and he's the Wojciak here. Came up with the, the conceptual idea of it. He refined it because he's intelligent. And uh, we called it the duck stat. And we actually posted that up on the website so people can uh, people can go see. We got a little section on the nav bar. And like I said, hopefully a new website coming up. And uh, really all the things. In this league is kind of popping off right now as we have got the uh, football podcast going deep, the baseball podcast, basketball is about to come up. Plus, you can hear me live on the radio on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Wednesdays 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern talking football, talking some baseball. This coming week here into the first week in August, you'll probably catch some baseball if you're looking for your fix because of the trade deadline. We'll probably give that some extensive coverage and I like to talk about prospects whenever I can, of course. You can also find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. You can follow all of my exploits in every bit of the uh, of the fantasy world. And as I continue to make the Prospect Podcast as big as possible, always love the support. If you enjoy this podcast and are not subscribed to it and you just came upon it, please go on iTunes, subscribe to it, give a five-star rate and review. That would help us out very dearly. And don't be afraid to share this. Don't be afraid to share the podcast. I'm also trying to work on a Prospect One shirt. We need to rep it. We need to rep it when we're out in the streets or we're out in the the ballparks or the backfields like I like to do, which I do plan. I'm going to get back on the horse this week 
this coming week, I plan to get out to, I'm going to try to go to two games. I've missed the first couple. I'm going to talk about him here in a little bit, but Mackenzie Gore is really disappointed. Like out of nowhere, he just got his first start. And then he went to back like short relief stents uh, the other day. And I was really sad that I missed out on that. And he's just been lighting it up, but I'm going to try to go catch Mackenzie Gore. I'm going to try to go catch Sam Carlson, Hans Kraus, a bunch of the draft picks that are out there. And you got a few of the, um, the international guys that are still kind of rocking it out there, not from this class, but you know, there's still some good international players that are out here as well. You know, a lot of the guys that were here in extended spring training or early AZL or GCL, for as a matter of fact, have moved on to the short season rookie ball outside of the uh, AZL GCL leagues and have been killing it. You know, one player that I'm just not going to talk about in this episode, which I kind of, you know, I actually don't know why. I don't know why I'm not going to. There's just there's just so much to cover, even in just these smaller episodes that I do that are just me and talking to you about the prospects. But one guy I was dying to go see, I missed out on in extended and in early AZL because I didn't think they were going to send him out of the AZL so quick, but it was Starling Heredia. Starling Heredia with the Los Angeles Dodgers. There were some weird reports in extended spring training. The weight was a little wonky. I saw him, Longenhagen, put out a video of Chris Rodriguez from the Angels versus Heredia, and his body looked a little bit out of whack. But you know what, man? In the With the AZL Dodgers, he hit 429 and 28 at-bats with a couple homers. The walks and strikeouts were nothing crazy with a 500 OBP. So he got called up. He's playing uh, in Ogden, hitting 405 in 74 at-bats, four homers. He's even got five stolen bases. They list him at 262. Uh, 6'2", 200, probably like 210, 215, but put up five stolen bases. He's striking out, you know, 23, 23 and 79 at bats, but he's also walked 10 times with those four homers, even has a triple. Starling Heredia, uh, even though I'm not talking about him, this is like a mini little prospect spotlight. He's got to get back onto anyone's radar that didn't have him. And if he wasn't on your radar, get him back. The Dodgers are so loaded with outfield talent. And, you know, with this trade deadline coming up, there's a lot of rumors of Darvish coming to the Dodgers and the cost would be Alex Verdugo, which some people see as too high. I'm not the biggest Alex Verdugo fan on the planet, though he is just, he's even, he's vaulted like my kind of downness on him. I heard some, I think I've talked about this. I heard interviews. I really, I really like hearing him now off of reports from last year in the fall league, which uh, he had, like I said, the worst performance of anybody there, worse than Tebow. And uh, there was also some little like, you know, I don't know, some attitude stuff that was going on. I didn't hear it in the interviews that I've heard him. And he has, uh, he's been incredible. He even hit that freaking homer that bounced off the dude's head that went out there. It was awesome. So he's likely to move. But what I mean by that, bringing him up is they just got a litany of other outfield prospects that, you know, are these guys future superstars? Wait to be seen. Are they quality outfield depth in your minor league system that could be everyday players? Yes. Yusnel Diaz, DJ Peters, Starling Heredia, and they've even got a couple guys in Johan Miesi's and Carlos Rincon that, I mean, those guys can't hit 200, but they can hit 20 homers already. You know, so they just need to get, they need to work on putting the bat on the ball and not just trying to swing for the fences. They just have so much depth. And Heredia is one of the players that nobody has really been talking about because of Verdugo and because of Yusnel Diaz. And Heredia has been incredible. So that's why it pays off to go get out to these uh, to these AZL League games like I can because there is huge future talent. I mean, Kyle Lewis was playing there. Keston Hera, who was drafted, you know, the, the best bat in the 2017 draft. He killed it out here, and now he's in short season ball. So there is some really good talent that's out here. So I am looking forward to catching a few more, so make sure you're following me on Twitter, and I will be sharing videos and anything else I get, and I'll be talking about it in the next episode 
which uh, you just want to make sure you're subscribed. I want to I want to be more consistent, but you know, like I said, we've got to we got to keep building it up through the ITL army, which I'll tell you about in a little bit. And if we can do that, we might get to the point where we can, this can be every single week. But if you're following, subscribe to the podcast, you won't miss an episode. And if you're following me on Twitter, you are going to get hooked up. Whole lot to cover. And first things first, we've had a lot of good top prospects be called up. They're in the majors right now. So just because we love prospects doesn't mean because they're called up, they're shunned from our eyes. Let's get out and do a little bit of prospecting. Say, I like you. I like you so much, I'm going to make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold, and I'll share it with you 50-50. Prospect one. Well, sometimes we can hit these things really good, or in the previous episode, I decided to talk about Rafael Devers as much as a, as a player that I still believe that was going to get value this season that could get called up. I'm a huge, I've always been a huge fan. I've been for multiple years. It's unlike some people, you know, it wasn't just this year or late last year. I've been since he was in the minor league system with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, back in like 2014. He's always been a guy of mine. He hit 311 with 20 homers and 60 RBIs across two levels in the minor leagues this year for the Boston Red Sox and was called up. And he hit a bomb. He hit, uh, he. I mean, this is a small sample size as I'm recording this. He's had eight at bats. He's hitting 250, uh, but he did hit. Oh, I mean, the, his swing, if you had never seen his swing before, you're just kind of presented with all that is Rafael Devers. And you saw that beautiful swing, the uppercut, the the way the bat just covers the zone. And he hit one to not quite dead center, but like a center left. And he just crushed it. I couldn't be more ecstatic about Rafael Devers. And the trade that happened with Eduardo Nunez coming to Boston brought an immediate fear. But I didn't let it affect how I felt about Rafael Devers. And I mean, there was this small window. The guys over on the Fantasy Insiders on SiriusXM, they invited me on the, the day that Eduardo Nunez got traded. And we talked about this exact thing. And I said, you know, as much as it looks like kind of a death blow maybe to you know a rookie's value, kind of like what we might see with a guy like Clint Frazier, they're saying he's probably going to go down when all those outfielders are healthy. You know, big quotations right there. That I said, you know, I don't know. I think Eduardo Nunez is going to play more of the super utility role. Is it going to mean Devers doesn't play every single day? It's possible. But maybe he gets a day off. Maybe he a little DH or something like that. Eduardo can play second, short, third, outfield. And it looks like that's for the most part, what they're doing. And maybe what that'll do, and, and look at this as a positive if you're kind of in a redraft, or you know, if, if you're in a keeper and you're competing and these rookies come up sometimes, sometimes it can be a little bit of a disadvantage for you, especially if your roster's really locked. If Devers doesn't play every single day, if he plays two, sits one, maybe that's going to give him a better opportunity to maximize his at-bats. You know, I mean, I, there's, a, there's something to be said about working through your struggles, and Devers has done that in the past, and he's shown he can do it, but maybe not throwing him out there every single day, the rigors of uh, Major League Baseball, maybe it's going to help him out a little bit, so he will be able to maximize. Maybe the value will end up looking better with a few less at-bats with Eduardo Nunez there. So I thought that was a that was a very exciting thing, and hopefully it has uh, paid off for everybody that either was able to pick him up or had him in keeper leagues, as I've always been a big fan. He's been top seven, I think, for forever on my list. Sometimes even maybe a little too high, but I think everybody is now finally seeing it. Another one called up, Lewis Brinson, Milwaukee Brewers. He had his short stint earlier in the season, but the Brewers finally had enough with Keon Broxton because it's just been too awful with him. Though Brinson's stats aren't necessarily too far off of what uh, Broxton has been doing as far as, you know, low average and some steals and some homers. But, in, you know, in 37 at-bats, he's got two homers, a stolen base. He's hitting uh, low average, like a 135. 
but he hit a uh, he hit a homer on the same night as um as Rafael Devers. So he's another guy to be you know looking at. Though if someone were to ask me, I would obviously if like you had to p- trade one of those guys, Brinson or Devers, and you're competing, it would be Brinson. But both of those guys, I think, are going to have some pretty decent fantasy value the rest of the the season through, as long as Brinson doesn't struggle too much. With the Brewers, since they're competing, I think he's going to get uh, a bulk of the at-bats. You know, Braun can't stay healthy. They've got uh, um, Domingo Santana that's out there. I don't see why Broxton would come up and take over unless you have a situation where Broxton destroys in the minors, which he probably will, and Brinson's struggles do not adjust whatsoever. One that caught me off guard that I didn't even see happen until I literally turned off. I was just busy. Turned on the TV, Cardinals game is on, and I look, and Harrison Bader's up to bat, and I was like, what? What the hell happened? Darth Bader is here. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Well, Bader, who I've always had very high in my ranks, and I've mentioned this a thousand times, people have always been kind of like, yeah, yeah, he's pretty high. I'm like, ah, I know, but he's, you know what, man? He's not sexy, but he gets it done. Hit two, hit 297 with 19 homers and nine stolen bases uh, so far in the minors. He struck out a decent amount, you know, 90 times over 350 at-bats. Has come up, hit 333 in 12 at-bats, Got a couple doubles, a walk, strikeouts are there. He scored the winning run um, a couple nights ago with that team. He's just a gamer, man. I, I love Bader. I, I don't know if it's going to be um, a far extended look for the Cardinals, though they have had, you know, they've had a revolving door of stuff with Grichik. But I mean, he's here while Dexter Fowler is on the DL. Even if he's really good, he's probably going to get sent back down. But this is a really good taste for Harrison Bader. So hopefully, if you had him. Uh, something you could look for is if he gets sent back down, you know, especially on a team that's competing, maybe you can go acquire him on the cheap for a team that's desperate. Two more. I thought this one was interesting. Eric Fetty being called up by the Washington Nationals uh, to uh, start in place of Strasburg, who's hurt. Hopefully Strasburg is not going to be out for a long time. Fetty, who was a starter, then they moved him mid-year in the minors uh, to a reliever in, in lieu of him probably being a relief pitcher for the Nationals. And then they started to move him back to being a starter. So he had, on J- July 8th, well, July 3rd, he got lit. He didn't even get through a third of an inning. He gave up six runs and was pulled. The next day almost looks like the adjustment where they started to say, we're going to make you a starter again, because it was May 11th was his last full start, where he went seven, gave up two, struck out seven. Then May 16th, that was where the relief went. One inning, two inning, one, one, one. So July 8th, he goes and goes three innings, stretch him back out. No hits, no earned runs, four strikeouts. July 14th, three and two-thirds inning, gives up one, strikes out one. July 19th is where he went five, gave up two, and struck out three, and now he's ready to go and be um, you know, a fill-in starter for the Nationals. For how long? We'll see. I'm not too stoked about it. I've kind of gone down on Fetty just because of the movement they're doing. It's not uncommon for, for these teams to do this with the players. You know, make a starter or reliever for a certain amount of time. I just feel like the messing with him multiple times through the season isn't going to make him valuable this year. Hopefully they make a commitment to being a starter next year. But to be honest with you, you know, if he did go out, this is just me talking, you know, you may feel better better or different about Eric Fetty. If he does go out and he has a good start, you know, maybe goes five, gives up one, strikes out five or something like that, I'd see if I could go move him. I'd see if I could get something better. You know, if you value my prospect list, you can go and take a look, and there's a you know, there's a litany of guys that you could go after. I would just see if I could 
possibly do better for someone that's desperate with starting pitching. Lastly, we were finally granted with Yoan Moncada, the number one prospect in pretty much all the land, was brought up as the um, as the Chicago White Sox traded Todd Frazier. He got to come up. He's playing second base. It hasn't been great, which is such a good opportunity for us. He's had one homer, one triple, five RBIs, but he's hitting 111. He had this like he had this one four RBI game. Then he had a homer the other night. Struck out nine times, which is a little bit you know that's going to be kind of his problem. But what you're going to have is you're going to have people that are like this again. You know he wasn't great when he came up with the Red Sox. Then they sent him back down and he went to the Arizona Fall League. He played all season in the minors, which is pretty decent. He had 282 with 12 homers, 17 stolen bases. Then he comes up and he struggles again. What that's going to breed is people that are going to become frustrated. You can go take advantage of owners that are trying to win and they need pieces and Moncada's not helping, or even people that are in the middling area and they see him struggling again. Well, if you go move Brinson, I don't know if you could. Brinson, there's an argument, you know, go move Devers. I'd hate to move Devers. I'd like to move somebody else, but you can, there you could move Devers to get him. But what I'm saying is, is just look to go take advantage because he's hitting 111. And people are going to start losing their mind of it. Uh, this is twice now. He's done. He's with the White Sox. There's no help, blah, blah, blah. This is still a guy that could that could rip off a 30-30 season, a 20-30 season. You know, I think the stolen bases are going to come down in uh, subsequent major league years. And I think you kind of see that as he went. In 2015, he, he stole 49. In 2016, he stole 45. 2017, he really pulled back the stealing down to 17. So in the majors, I think if you want to be realistic, he's probably a 20-base uh, stealer because he's going to probably be a... T- I mean, I saw, uh, when I saw him in spring training, the White Sox exclusively played him not only at second base, but they played him in the two-hole. They wanted him to be the two, two-hole two hitter right behind Jose Abreu. So I assume he would be a two-hole hitter here. So he's going to still steal bases. But this is, um, I'd say, safe projection is like a 20-20 guy. So don't lose hope on Yohan Moncada because the struggles are there. He is still a great prospect. But on that front of not losing hope, maybe you're going to MLB.com or Baseball America, or maybe I'm one of your top value system of minor league prospect ranks. I'm here still. I'm still here to help you with all of that, and that is done with my ranks. So let's go talk about some rank updates. Prospect one. So as you know, if you go to InThisLeague.com, you don't see a whole bunch on. Uh, you don't see a bunch of visual ranks posted up. I mean, I think I've said this a million times. It's not necessarily what we've always been about, though. There's a chance we may start to kind of push back a little bit and point in that direction of getting some more written content up on the website. But it's really solely been, I want you guys to be involved and engaged in the podcast. And this is where a lot of that's going to come. But that's not the only place because the thing that keeps this podcast and all the In This League podcasts up and growing and hopefully into the future, the thing that we only do is the ITL Army. We're completely independent, and the ITL Army is a way for us to be sustainable in the amount of time that we do. I mean, I'm doing five or six shows in a single week, and this pro- and the prospect stuff I do, it might be the, the thing I love the most. I spend every single night, I was up till like 1.30 in the morning last night, just working through my ranks, working through my adjustments. I do it every single night. I absolutely love it. So the ITL Army makes it sustainable and possible, and we give a whole bunch of perks back. For football fans, for basketball fans, for baseball fans, and baseball fans as well, get my ranks, which is top 450 
minor league prospect ranks. My list is higher than that, but I'm just publishing 450. As people know from the last update, we made a whole bunch of adjustments where now there there's actually a charted thing where you can see the adjustments from the previous week. You know, you'll see like a negative 15 if a guy moved down and it color codes itself or if a guy moved up. So you can monitor how these guys have moved from preseason to the previous week. It also has um, an ever-evolving age column that goes through when the guys are being called up and each name, at least I've got 300 of them so far, clickable to go to their MILB page. So you can just click on them and you can immediately go and see their stats. And they're all ranked out. Plus, I've got a sheet that has the team ranks. It shows organizational, how I value them, each team broken apart. And uh, coming, you know, probably pretty soon, I will be having some other charts in there. You know, the 2018 draft class stuff will be showing up. I may even do a separate spreadsheet for the fall league for people to follow and uh, it's a bunch of cool stuff. So if you're if you're a prospect head, then that might be something you want to check out. You're helping prospect one out. So you're like you're like an investor in your favorite show. It's like prestige worldwide. Investors? Possibly you. All right, so let's talk about some of these by the way. We had some graduates which uh, we will say goodbye to, maybe in like walking dead fashion. Let's say goodbye to the prospects we love on our list. Sean Newcomb, the Atlanta Braves. You have graduated from the list. Actually, a whole lot, all of them are pitchers that uh, upgraded from this list. Sean Newcomb for the Atlanta Braves. Jacob Feria from the Tampa Bay Rays. Goodbye. Francis Martez, you have graduated. You've been on the roster for a while. And Josh Hader. I actually had a, I had this moment where I looked when MILB, they did their midseason update, and Martez and Hader weren't there. And I was like, neither one of these guys have qualified. And I was like, have they been up for 45 days? I had to even message them, and sure enough, they were. So I was wrong. So Martez, Hader, Feria, Newcomb, all no longer prospects as far as the uh, qualifications for MILB goes. The 50 innings pitched, 130 at-bats, or 45 days on the active roster. But as players go, we get more that come up, and we get players that start to make their movement of my prospect ranks. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them because that's just ridiculous. But what I can do is talk to you about some of the ones that I'm starting to feel even better about. And how about this first one here? Royce Lewis with the Minnesota Twins, the first overall pick in the draft. You know, James Anderson and I, we had a, we had a long conversation about McKay versus Hunter Green versus Royce Lewis, even throw McKenzie Gore in there. Those guys are really tough to kind of battle and, and see our value systems on and how are they going to perform. Well, Royce Lewis just came right out of the gates and has been awesome. Check this out. In 91 at-bats, he's hitting 308, got three homers, struck out 11 times but walked 10 times and has eight stolen bases with a 400 on-base percentage. Now, I mean, he's playing in the GCL, but he's also an 18-year-old. So what he's doing is he's playing at a age-level competition and he's absolutely dominating right now. He's absolutely dominating. He looks every part the guy that was drafted first overall. You know what Royce, Royce Lewis kind of reminds me of? This kind of reminds me of the Carlos Correa draft, where when Carlos Correa was drafted, he, he the perception was he wasn't the best player that was drafted. It just people didn't see him as the best player, but they kind of cut the deal. I think walking into this draft, people felt the same way. Brennan McKay and Hunter Green were. But Royce Lewis is performing like the best pick in this draft right now. And uh, offensively, he's all over the he's all over the board right now, which is fantastic. I think I opened up with him at 30 on my prospect rank. 
He has now moved up to 26 overall. And uh, by the time my listing gets updated on August 1st, he might even move another spot or two. He could go up, but uh, he is entrenched inside the top you know, 30 prospects right now, and he's continuously moving up, and his early performance is great. And the interesting thing that's going to end up happening with him is for you guys that have your dynasty drafts next season, you know, so your dynasty rookie drafts, where you're getting any international guys, plus you're getting any guys from the draft, is it used to be, assuming Luis Robert is available, it was Luis, Luis Robert I think Royce, Royce Lewis is making a very deep run at that right now. And when it comes time, so make sure you're following this show and you're following my prospect ranks, Royce Lewis might be the number one pick next year. I'm not sold yet because uh, Robert has is had a little injury. He's kind of you know tapered back a little bit. But I think he might be the guy. Especially, I mean, things could change if, if they send Robert out to the Arizona Fall League. We get to see him and he just crushes. You know, We may have an instance where this is another Bellinger or Torres or something like that. But Royce Lewis is heavily, heavily making a statement to be that guy. One of the guys that uh, I think is going to, as far as at least the pitchers go, is going to make a huge grandstand of being one of the top picks in those drafts next season is a player that I can't ever stop talking about, Mackenzie Gore. Or even though I've had, I've been around Mackenzie Gore actually on the backfields uh, over in Surprise when the Padres are there, and I've seen a couple things. I got some notes. You know, people in the group me room for uh, the ITL Army know the story I've talked about with Mackenzie Gore a little bit. But regardless of any of it, he's an incredible talent. Four and two-thirds of an inning, eight strikeouts. He's given up no earned runs, one walk. He looks every part of the man. I'm so excited to go see him in person. I've watched tons and tons of video on him. As I told you before, when I saw him in person, it is very funny. The you know He just he looks young. He looks young and you know, he has a very, very projectable body. He just hasn't grown quite into it yet. So, you know, that 6'3", 180 frame that they give him. I don't know if he's 6'3", by the way. Actually, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to say that's not factual. As I'm looking on MILB.com, they're saying he's 6'3". I'm, six, I'm like 6'4", and we weren't looking eye to eye. So I would say Mackenzie Gore might be a little bit closer to 6'1", but he'll probably grow into it, and he's going to grow a lot of good muscle in it. Crazy good leg kick. Uh, he's already pulling all his pitches through. I hope he's here for a while. I hope he stays in the AZL for most of uh, you know this season at least because I want to see him a little bit more. But he is looking every bit the part. I started him out at about 32. He's moved into 28. He's one of my top five pitchers. Uh, I, mean, I only have five pitchers in my top 30 rankings, and he is the last one. Maybe the most exciting guy to talk about here, I wanted to talk about a couple of the uh, the draft picks, at least the high-end ones, uh, to start with. But this guy might be one of the most exciting ones to talk about. We I got in a, a Twitter conversation with uh, some some listeners and James Anderson. We were talking about Fernando Tatis, who, you know, in spring training and before that, I've talked to you guys about how excited and high on Fernando Tatis I am, and I got to speak with him uh, during spring training, I was at one of the games, Bogman and uh, one of our listeners, we were sitting that front row for the uh, White Sox and the Padres over at Camelback Ranch, and uh, we were right on the Padres side. And we were. It was a game where Jorge Ona actually got the start, which was really cool. Andy Green had started him, and uh, Fernando Tatis got in the game, so we got to see a little bit of the game. And after, as he was walking out, I just yelled to him, and he came over and talked with him, and he's a really good dude, really, really good dude. And it's incredible already the muscle he's put on from when I saw him in March to right now. And the results he's having on his season are every bit 
one of the top prospects you're going to want to be owning and looking for. So far in 2017, he's hitting 271 with 17 homers, 22 stolen bases. The strikeouts are a problem. That's a problem with him. He's going to work out, but he has walked 51 times. I have him inside my top 30. James is very aggressive on him, on his rankings. If you go check him out on Rotowire, I, I mean, I've talked about this a million times, though. It's just, you know, I value pitching a little bit more than James does as well. I like to kind of monitor the market. And, you know, do you have to take Fernando Tatis inside the top 10? No, you don't. I mean, maybe unless if you're listening to some some people, if they if they want to vault him in that that territory already, you can do that. He's 18 years old. He's probably minimally three years away unless he just kills it. He has some of the same Moncada like average issues. You know, he's not a guy that's out here hitting 315, which, you know, they might push him up like Rafael Devers when he's 20. I don't think that happens. So he's at least three years away. But he is one of those guys that you want to own. Like coming into this year, you wanted a Bo Bichette. You wanted a Vlad Jr. because they're going to vault in. I think by year's end, like next season, a lot of sites are going to have him inside their top 20. I've got him inside my top 30 right now. You can go see it um, on the website. But he moved up. Um, I have, I've had him since preseason inside the top 50, but he's been moving up, moving up. The next update, even after this current one, will probably vault him more. But he's one of the most exciting prospects. If you have a chance to buy him on the cheap now, I would because people are not, they have not caught up. People haven't caught up to realize how valuable Tatis Jr. is. I mean, you could probably go and like a Dominic Smith, who I think I just saw is getting called up as well. I didn't talk about him. Dominic Smith is getting called up. If I could move Dominic Smith to get Fernando Tatis Jr., I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. I would trade guys like uh, Carson Kelly. I would trade struggling guys like Hassan Diaz to go get yourself some Fernando Tatis. So go do it. What are you waiting for? The other two guys I just want to mention here are a couple more draft picks that have uh, really had some good starts. Jaron Kendall with the Los Angeles Dodgers. You want That's another outfielder I didn't mention when we were talking about Verdugo earlier. Uh, he's had a lot of comps, and I totally see it. I comped him to it, too, uh, to Ellsbury. He started in the Rookie League, 455. He was hitting uh, with a homer, a bomb, and four stolen bases, and he's already been moved up to A-ball full season, where uh, he's had five at-bats, hasn't got a hit yet. But, he, I mean, he's already vaulted up the system. This is a big-time outfielder, and he's moved up my ranks. I moved him up, actually, about 27 spots. He's sitting at 114 right now, which might not seem super high to some people, but it is. I mean, he's in he's in the territory of the uh, Helio Ramos, uh, Bubba Thompson, Jordan Adels. I moved him up there. It's been such a good start to him. And then the other guy to talk about, Kasten Hurria, who I didn't have as a top 100 coming in. I had, I just, I don't know, there, there was something that I hadn't bought into yet. I hadn't seen enough of him. He's another one of those guys I missed out on catching out here in the AZL because he spent a decent amount of time here. He had, um, there were worries that he was going to have to have Tommy John. That was a big thing with him. doesn't look like that's the case because he just DH'd out here in the AZL and he just proceeded to hit 435 with four homers. He didn't steal any bases because he got the injury and 18 RBIs. He's one of the best hitters out here, but he was also a college bat that was playing with a bunch of 18-year-olds, so you have to keep that uh, keep that in mind. He's moved up to full-season A-ball, and he's hitting 394. No homers, bunch of strikeouts. He'll get on the field at some point. He's inside my top 100 now. His bat is too good. They, they were right. He is absolutely, that bat is way too good. Uh, he's in the 90 range for me right now, and he'll probably continue to move up. A couple players that I moved down, if you're just curious, if you want to know a couple guys that went down, I'm kind of bummed about, um, I guess I'm bummed about all of them, but I'm really bummed about this one, is Asan Diaz. Asan Diaz had such a hot start 
you know, there's a lot of Robbie Cano type of comparisons. He really um, patterned himself after Robbie Cano. He even played with Team uh, Puerto Rico. I think I told this story, maybe it was on baseball. When I was out at the game, I, there was the one I, I met, Correa and Baez. You know, I, was, I have this affinity to Javier Baez, and he signed a jersey thing for me. And there's this guy walking around, and I was like, who's that dude? I don't know. Who was that dude with that hair? It was Hassan Diaz. I hadn't realized. That was before I realized he did the whole wacky, you know, he, I mean, I don't call it wacky, but like, you know, he never had that hair before. And it was just these big, like, you know, these like blonde locks that he was rocking. And this is before I had noticed that. So he, I mean, he, you know, he had a great season last year, great start to this season. He's playing with Puerto Rico, at least in a fill in, you know, practice game out here. I mean, he had a lot going for him. And then it just tabled off. 105 strikeouts and 34, uh, 341 at-bats, 11 homers, 8 stolen bases aren't the worst. His walks are good, 54 walks, but he's got a 229 average. I mean, his OBP is about 340. That 229 average is really a step back for him. Now, I do love watching these guys come back from adversity. He just hasn't done it this year. Maybe he does it next. You know, I don't think he comes out to the fall league. Maybe he does. I don't know. You know, guys can come twice. Maybe next year he pulls it back through. So I haven't given up on him or any, by any means, but I did have him higher. But he's now fallen outside of my top 50, moving back about 12 spots to 55 overall. As well, a pitcher that I've always been very fond of, but there's, there's just got to be a point that you know we're going to accept the struggles that they have might be more of a part of them than just uh, maturing through the minors. And he's still young enough, though, is uh, Sandy Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara, who is just under 100 innings pitched, only struck out 80 so far this season, given up 12 homers, walked 41, and given up 102 hits so far this season. That's a 1.45 whip, pitching to a 270 average, and he's got a 4.85 ERA with the St. Louis Cardinals, double A. I've always loved him because he's a strikeout magnet, but it seems like year in and year out, him and Junior Fernandez, they just kind of switch value spots. So he has dropped outside of my top 100 for the first time in a long time. He's down at 108 right now. And I even have some pitchers, as I look, that are below him that might jump him in my next rank. Probably will jump him, as a matter of fact, unless a major turnaround goes, though he is quite younger than a majority of them. You know, he's still got a couple more months till he's even 22. Still a great prospect, but he's moved down. And then finally, the other guy that I just wanted to highlight that I've moved down is Greg Allen, who... If you guys remember from my my timeout seeing the Indians and Reds out here, he was rehabbing. And I kind of made mention of this. If you guys caught it, like he didn't look great. Now he was playing, I mean, he like physically, he was like a man amongst these these kids. I told you him sitting standing next to Quentin Holmes, very very two different body types. You can see how Greg, I mean Greg Allen they list at 175. That's like muscle, dude. He is muscle. But he's looked He's looked different than when I saw him in the fall league. In the fall league, he looked, I don't know, he looked like more athletic. Maybe he's, the injuries have really been hampering Greg Allen so far this season, and that's part of it. Uh, but he is 24 years old. He just looked more spry last year where I look at him now, and when I saw him, he just he looked kind of rigid. You know, he got, he, like, he, has a, he had a 330 average, a 333 average and 15 at-bats in the AZL. And I was at one of those games, and he got on a couple times, and he got a stolen base from it, and he shouldn't have. It was just rookie ball that got it. Well, he got called back up uh, to AA off of that rehab assignment, and the average has just dwindled. He's down to 231 right now. And I'm starting to, I don't know, I'm not losing hope or anything like that. He's still a good prospect for sure, and I like him. But there's so many other players with a higher ceiling that I've 
that I've jumped on, and Greg Allen is starting to move down for me. So he has moved. Uh, he was he was borderline like you know top 100. He's about 117 now for me. So I moved him down a little bit. So a little bit you know a little bit disappointed. Going to keep my eyes on it though. And though this doesn't have anything to do with ranks, I just want to tell you guys a couple other guys that could move up list. Not this first one, but the next guy is we've had some rehabbing arms. I won't get to see them because they're going to be in like you know GCL type of stuff. But uh, Hunter, you know, former top prospect with the Orioles, he is back to uh, you know having some small inning starts. And Tyler Kolick with the Miami Marlins, the the top pick for the Marlins a couple years ago, where you know the big old dude who can throw a hundred, he has had nothing but uh, injury issues. He finally has gotten back. His first stint back, he got lit. And then he put up a clean inning after that. So he's moving back through. He's still a couple years away, big time, because he's just recovering from injury. But be on the lookout for those guys in prospect ranks. And you can find all of the other guys that I've got on my list over at the ITL Army. Like I, like I said, I even I even put a listing if they are 2017 draft or international guys. So you can take a look at what your dynasty drafts might look like, your rookie dynasty drafts might look like the next season. So you can kind of you know preset a list. I will sort them out you know, probably come January or something like that. But, you know, you can get a little pre-look if you want to see what a draft might look like, especially if you're making trades. Guys are like, eh, what's the eighth pick going to look like in a dynasty rookie draft that's only of the last year's draft? Well, and international guys, I can go and tell you, I'm like, well, you might get Austin Beck or you might get uh, Adam Hazley or Paven Smith. So that's what it looks like. It's not that bad. All right, final up on the big uh, statistical stuff and information we can give you. How about we're bringing it back, guys. It's a top 10, not 10. Prospect one. It is the top 10, not 10, where we take a look at the players that aren't in the top 10. You know, I can't stress this enough how we want to talk about more than just the top guys. It's okay. Podcasts want to do that. If people want to only focus on, you know, the Bo Bichette's and the Vlad, Vlad Jr.'s, that's, that's okay. They need to be discussed. But I want to make sure we're digging deeper to see if we can find some gems. Let's talk about these guys before they blow up. We did it with Michael Baez. We did it in the preseason with Bichette and Vlad Jr. Done with a lot of players. You know, remember in the All Star game, we talked about all the top ten, not ten alum that made it in. John Duplantier. You know, all those guys. So this is a place where we can maybe get just a couple steps ahead of the game. And number one on the top ten, not ten this week is Jose Siri. Siri, who has a 32-game hit streak currently? Jose Siri does, Welsh. That's right. It's Jose Siri. With a 32-game hit streak going on on the season, he is hitting 298, 18 homers, 29 stolen bases, doesn't walk a ton, has eight triples, 17 doubles. So you're looking at a guy that's, you know, plus 40 on the extra base hits right now. So that's, that's I mean, it's not quite 50%. It's about... 40% of his hits are extra base hits this year. He's 6'2", 175, he's 22 years old, and he's down in A-ball playing with the Dayton, Dra- Dayton Dragons. So you got to take that for what it is. But he's been down there playing with guys like Shed Long. You know, he was playing with Shed Long, Taylor Trammell, really good players. But I would also point out, you know, he's hitting 298, and he's on a current 32-game hit streak. So, you know, he probably came back from a bit. He obviously came back from a bit. 22 years old in A-ball, you know, we prefaced this with John Duplantier when, you know, we talked about him earlier in the season, you know, his dominance was at A-ball level. So we want to take it with a grain of salt and not lose our minds or anything like that. Now, I didn't have Siri on my, um, on my list coming into this season, 
you know, 22-year-old playing A-ball. He hadn't really necessarily stuck out, at least as far as I saw early on with the Reds when they've had players like Trammell and, uh, and Shedlong. Well, he's done it, and he has jumped up into the list, and I have got him listed. He's in that 300 range still, so we're not going crazy. But if you want to talk about one of the hottest players in baseball right now, it's Jose Siri, for sure. How much do I think all of these stats are going to translate as we go? I'd really like to see the average hold. You know, this is something Marcus Wilson with the um, with the Diamondbacks, who's been playing down in Kane County, it's such a huge early start, and it has tapered back down. He's still hitting like... You know, just in that 300 range, but he was also up at like 340 at one point. So what I'd like to see is for him to be able to to sustain this average after this streak kind of goes away. I mean, as we're saying this, the streak may have ended, but he went 32 games. So if he can sustain himself as a 280 hitter, look at the power and the speed numbers. Those are legit 18 homers and 30, 366 at-bats, 29 stolen bases. I mean, this is stuff we're talking about with Yoan Moncada. So don't get bonkers or anything like that. But Jose Siri should be on your list. And if you guys happen to have those systems where you can just go pick up guys at random, go do it. Go pick them up. It's worth it, especially if you're like a 30-plus minor league system. Number two on the top 10, not 10. This is a guy that actually is probably the the highest on this list that I've put in a while. But we just haven't talked about him in a while um, outside of my um, my obsession early on in extended spring training. It is Adrian Morion, the Cuban lefty, six foot one sixty five. I would say that's not accurate on MILB's side. I would say he's closer to 5'10", 5'11", and I wouldn't be surprised if he's 175, 180 right now. You know, he, he's, just, he's, he's got some, he's, he's going to stock up. He's going to bulk up. He's just not quite as tall. I mean, he's going to grow. He's The kid barely turned 18 years old. He turned 18 in February. So don't be surprised if we get you know a little bit of, bit of a growth spurt. I think he can get to six foot. So he never did go down into the AZL. He didn't start there. After extended spring training, when I got to go see him and talk with him for, you know, to talk as much as you can talk with a guy that doesn't speak a whole bunch of English. Well, you know, after that, he was sent up to short season A ball, and it's been pretty great. He's got a three and a half ERA, which isn't the best, but he's put up seven starts, struck out 35 and 35 innings. He's only walked three, three, given up two homers. He is having a really, really great run with the Fort Wayne 10 caps. So if uh, you're in that vicinity and you can go see him, Morion is justifying some of the high ranks. I think there was a little bit of preseason, like, you know, crazy excitement hype that came. And I think he had to taper back a little bit. But at this point, I know the pipeline guys over at MILB.com, you know, they made adjustments into their rankings and he's in the 80s. He's much higher for me, uh, even though he's a, a far distance away. If you value pitching in your minor league system I mean you know top 50 top 60 he's one of those guys you just want to own the, the upside is so high for an 18 year old in a ball over 35 innings to walk three that's like Cliff Lee type of stuff that's like Julio Urias you know that's what he the comp is is real right there the strikeouts are going to rise you know the ERA is a little bit inflated but I wouldn't worry about that so Adrian Morion number three on uh, the top 10 not 10 is the player that I'm probably most obsessed about going to see out here in the AZL and it's Helio Ramos who was the first round pick by the San Francisco Giants you know Ramos is a guy for me in that depleted San Francisco Giants system that's vaulted to number one he's my number one Giants prospect and he has been nothing short of amazing out here in Arizona and I'm dying to see him before they you know get him out of here he's only 17 years old he doesn't turn 18 till September he's hitting 403. Three homers, seven stolen bases, 
Uh, he's not walking a ton. He struck out 22 times over 72 at-bats, young guy. But he's got a 446 on base percentage, and all he does is mash. Him and uh, uh, Jacob Gonzalez, Luis Gonzalez's kid, all they've been doing is mash. So I am jacked up to get out and see him. He's 6'2", 185. He was drafted, but he's actually out of Puerto Rico. And uh, he's the number one guy in the giant system. There's just no doubt about it. So uh, when I can get to him, I will give you reports. But for all intents and purposes, you should be locked into him. You should be locked in for next year's drafts or if some of you guys had access to getting these players you know, beforehand, you know, before the next year. Sometimes these guys just jump into pools for your minor league system. Helio Ramos would be somebody that I would be all about right now. Number four on the top 10, not 10, is a player that I got to meet out in the uh, in spring training over at the White Sox facility at Camelback Ranch. And this is not Michael Kopech. This is not Reynaldo Lopez. This is not Lucas Giolito. This is, I met Dane Dunning and talked to him, and he's awesome. It's not even Dane Dunning. It's Alec Hansen, who has been phenomenal this year. 126 strikeouts over 100 innings pitched. A 2-6 ERA. He's walked 37, given up five homers. He's got a 1.12 whip. He even was carrying like a no-hitter uh, into the seventh the other day. He has been awesome. He's 22 years old. He's 6'7", 235. He's playing uh, advanced A-ball in the Carolina League. So, again, you know, 22-year-old, a little bit older. We got a monitor. This is something I thought was really interesting. So I went and looked in the minor leagues. The top 10 strikeout guys. Number one is uh, Wilmer Font who is a 27-year-old playing uh, for the Dodgers in the PCL. Number 10 for strikeouts is A.J. Puck with 124. Now, at number 8 is Alec Hansen, who comes in with the 126 I told you about. He is the only player in the top 10 of strikeouts in all of minor league baseball that has a sub-3 ERA. You want to know another player that has 126 strikeouts? Michael Kopech. But he's got a 3.39 ERA. Is it the biggest... You know, the biggest thing that you need to know and monitor, oh my gosh, Alex Hansen. No, it's not necessarily. But, you know, when you look at this, you've got Tristan McKenzie, who's the number two in strikeouts at 19 years old with 140. Then you got some 24-year-olds. Lucas Sims is in there. And then you know, a couple of the youngest guys outside of McKenzie are Kopech, Hansen, Jose Almonte, who I've talked about on here with the Diamondbacks. And that's it. Those guys. And Brent Honeywell, who's 22. Alex Hansen is in a incredibly large group of really good players and he also has the absolute lowest ERA. You want to know another fun fact I'm looking at? Only one player has given up less homers in the top 10. It's A.J. Puck, who gave up two. The next, Alec Hansen, who's given up five. Guys like Mike uh, Showerin with the Boston Red Sox, hopefully I said that right, he has had a really great year. He's given up 12 homers. Lucas Sims, given up 19. So don't sleep on Alec Hansen. The White Sox system is as loaded as anybody, you know, with the Atlanta Braves. But Alec Hansen is somebody not enough people are talking about, and he has been downright incredible this year. And that's why he shows up at number four. Number five, we move over to the Washington Nationals for Daniel Johnson, the 2016 draft pick. He's 22 years old, 5'10", 185. He was taken in the fifth round by the Nationals out of New Mexico State. He's playing A-ball in the Carolina League, and he's hitting 305, 19 homers, 12 stolen bases. He's got 73 strikeouts, and he's not really walking a whole bunch. But he has been an offensive force down there. You know, Marcus Wilson alert as well. There's probably, you know, when he comes up to double A, we're going to see a little bit of an adjustment period. But nobody's talking about him. The Potomac Nationals is where he is playing. And there's been um, a litany of other players that people have been excited about in the national system. Carter Keboom, Victor Robles. 
But Daniel jo- Daniel Johnson has been on a tear recently. I'd love to see him walk a little bit more. But we're looking at one of those players that is one of those high-end power stolen base guys. Might finish the year as a 20-20 or a 30-20 guy. He is absolutely worth your consideration when you're looking at your minor league systems, especially if you're looking to dig deep. And he's not inside my top 200 or anything like that. But I could see him compete. If he finishes out this year really strong, look out. Daniel Johnson, the lefty, 5'10", 185, Washington Nationals. Number six was actually a little bit of a newer name for me. He's a 21-year-old playing for the Philadelphia Phillies. He's playing in the Florida State League for the Clearwater Threshers. It is Ranger Suarez, A-plus name. He's 6'1", 180. He's a lefty. 100 innings pitched. He struck out 108. He's only walked 30, given up four homers, and he has one of the very best ERAs of qualified pitchers in the minors with a 1.70 in 17 starts. He also has a complete game and a shutout. He's got an even one whip. A good, He's a good ground ball pitcher. There's a lot to like here. Now, you know, he has been in the system since 2012, and the numbers have actually been pretty damn good since. 2012, he only had a, uh, a couple innings, but he gave up no runs. Had a three ERA in 2013. 2014, and he, he did spend... Uh, three years, four years in rookie ball, which is a little bit of the you know the concern there. But he signed really young. In 2014, he had a 1.56 ERA in 80 innings pitched. 15, he had a 0.65 in only 27 innings pitched. Last year, he had a 2.8 in his first extent in his first stint in uh, uh, short season A ball. He had a 2.8 with 53 strikeouts over 73 innings pitched. This year, this is where the strikeouts have started to come, and the results are still there. No one's talking about Ranger Suarez. A freaking awesome name, but we are over prospect one, and he is number six. Number seven is one we got to give up to our boy uh, Steve Connell in the ITL Army because I wasn't I wasn't as I wasn't super dialed into him coming into this season, even though you know his early season performances in uh, even in the ACL in 2015 he played in the Dominican Summer League. Last year he played in the AZL and the Pioneer League, and this year he opened up at A Ball. I'm talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers catcher. Kybert Ruiz. He's currently with the uh, Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Six foot, 200 pounds. He's 19 years old. And homeboy's hitting 324 with a 374 on base percentage. Now, the counting stats aren't crazy, but we're not going to concern ourselves too, too much with that. Five homers, 36 RBIs, 20 walks, but only 35 strikeouts in 272 at bats. I saw a chat, and I, I forgive me, I can't remember it if it was Jim Callis or if it was J.J. Cooper, one of them saying that they would listen to the argument that Kybart Ruiz might be the best catcher in all of the minor leagues. That's some pretty big praise. Over on the updated midseason list over at uh, MILB.com with uh, you know Callis and Mayo and Rosenbaum, they ended up putting Kybert Ruiz as the number seven overall catcher behind guys like Zach Collins, Jorge Alfaro, Chance Sisko, and I just don't think he's been talked about. Not a lot of people are giving him attention. He hit 317 in A ball, and then and then advanced A ball, he hit 356. The rest of the stats are going to get there. He's not striking out. He's walking. He is getting on base. And even if you look at runs, he scored 46 runs in 272 at bats. 46. The guy, the guy's a hundred uh, run score. This might be one of those, you know, middle of the order type of catchers that we don't necessarily see so often. Maybe even one of those guys that a team experiments hitting high in the order. Regardless, he's one of the best catchers. I discount catchers 
a tad bit more than some in fantasy just because of the the lower value, the less games they play, you know, the the actually come in. I mean, how many times do we see catchers come in, take the job and run with it? You know, how much did we hear about Matt Waiters many years ago? But Kybert Ruiz is very impressive and he belongs on there as number seven on the top 10, not 10. Number eight is a, a traded player who was moved over to the Oakland Athletics from the Washington Nationals in the uh, Ryan Doolittle and Ryan Madsen trade. It is Jesus Lazardo. He's 19 years old, 6'1", 205, drafted in the third round of 2016 because he was coming off of a major injury, and he is out here. This is another one of those guys I'm targeting to go see. He is out here in the AZL with the uh, Oakland A's, and he has been awesome. Only 19 years old, big old arm. He struck out 23 over 20 innings pitched, one walk. He's given up one homer. He's given up 21 hits, but only four earned runs in this whole time, a a, a 1.08 whip. It, the average has been a little bit high, but that's something he can control with a 1.77 ERA. He has been damn good. It was a really good get by the Oakland A's. That's a sneaky one because a lot of people have uh, sat on him. Our boy Craig over at Rasball, who is a part of the ITL Army and a great scout, uh, has talked about Lazardo for a while. Now, Lazardo's not inside my top 100. He is not... He's not yet a player that I'm taking in a 10-man, a 12-team, 10-round minor league draft. But he's going to he's going to kind of fight for that. You know, he's having a really good start down here. I want to see what he does in A ball, but he's a big strikeout pitcher who's recovering from an injury. So, you know, like we have seen this year with a guy like Walker Bueller coming off of an injury, don't sit on Jesus Lazardo. All right, I got two two more for you and they are going to be 2017 draft picks. Uh, and again, most of these aren't in really any order. It's just the top 10. So don't think like, you know, when I talk to you about Ranger Suarez, that Ranger Suarez is, you know, worse or better than a guy that's a couple down there. So don't freak out or anything like that. But this one, uh, he's another guy that's down here in the AZL. He was a compensatory pick in 2017 for the Brewers. It is Tristan Lutz. He's 6'3", 210, and he looks all the beast that he uh, that his projectables are and performance wise has been pretty damn good. He's hitting 292 with three homers, one stolen base. The strikeouts need to work out, but this is a 18 year old kid who's playing out here in the AZL, seeing some you know there's some decent pitching out here. It's not great, you know the Royals not good, but guys like Jesus Lazardo out here, Jose Albertos is out here. You know we've seen plenty of good guys, plus a lot of rehabbing players. I've seen a litany of you know the the um, Andrew Heaney's. You know, guys like that have been down here a whole bunch pitching. Brandon Bass, stuff like that. So they're seeing, you know, professional hitting. Tristan Lutz was a player that the Brewers kind of centered a lot of what they were doing in the draft around, and I think he's going to be a big part of them in the future, which also makes me think, I wonder how not afraid they are to move some of their outfield. They're pretty thick in the outfield, if you think about it, with guys like Corey Ray, Trent Clark, Brett Phillips, Lewis Brenson, you know, and then Tristan Lutz. They've got so much depth, even though Lutz is a little bit of a ways away. I don't think they'd be afraid if they, you know, if someone was like, we need Trent Clark in a trade or Brett Phillips. I don't think they would be afraid to make that move. And he is one of the reasons why. He's going to be a big power guy. He's going to get you some speed, 370 on base percentage. He's going to be one of those guys you're going to be probably a second round pick in dynasties next year, dynasty rookie drafts. And I think he'll be one of the really good ones. So watch out for him. And then finally, this will be a first round pick in next year's Dynasty Drafts. He has just been incredible, even though the counting stats aren't quite there. Paven Smith with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the first baseman, the 21-year-old first baseman, 6'2", 210, was drafted uh, in the first round by the Diamondbacks. He's playing in the Northwest League. 
and he's been freaking awesome. He's he's had a couple. I think he had like two, like a five for five and a four for four game. He's hitting three forty five, a four twenty on base percentage. Smoke him if you got him. No homers, no stolen bases, but this is a good one here. 15 walks to 13 strikeouts. And don't think he's not getting extra base hits. He has eight doubles and a triple on here. He has a big dude who's playing first base who I think the Diamondbacks could move to the left field with, you know, because of Paul Goldschmidt. But such a good pick. He's going to be underrated. He's going to be a back-end pick in Dynasty rookie drafts next year. And I think uh, I think it's going to pay off. You know, the counting stats might fool some people. The dude's got 345 average and 116 at-bats. He doesn't have a 345 and like 40 at bats or anything like that. 116. So get your mind right with the final one of the top 10, not 10, Paven Smith. I did also want to throw this nugget in here because it's not all amazing good news on the upper or the lower tiers as we've had two injuries. One is a little bit less, but you may have been wondering why you haven't heard from this guy recently. Juan Soto with the Washington Nationals, one of the best prospects in baseball, and probably one of the least talked about lately because he went on the DL a little while back. And I had not heard much of any information, and I'm not sure really anybody had heard information. You know, it's funny how sometimes in the minor leagues, these teams will hold back info. I don't know if you remember from that last episode with James, I hadn't even heard that Colton Welker was suffering from something. And then, you know, he talked to the manager, and the manager had said how he had this bad groin injury and he was going to be out a while. You know, so sometimes they just don't release this, this information. Well, we just got you know, just a couple days ago info that Juan Soto, he's has a hammock injury and uh, a surgery that was going down that's listing him to miss a few weeks. So, you know, there's another opportunity when we talk about this type of stuff, maybe to go acquire a lot of players that are being highly talked about. And a guy like this has top 20 potential, top 15, top 10 potential with this injury sets him back. Maybe you can get him cheaper than you usually did. So I would go check in with a Juan Soto owner, but he's going to be out for a little while. So those those are why the stats aren't accumulating. And maybe we'll see him a little bit later in the season. But the other one is way more brutal. And this actually came down like just today, like just a few ago. Anderson Espinosa with the San Diego Padres, torn UCL. And another one. Brutal. We have not seen Anderson Espinosa all year long. In the It was kind of a big conversation in the backfields out here in Arizona, a Peoria Sports Complex, where just where was Espinosa? He had pitched in spring training. He may have even got an extended spring training game. I think I might have saw a video of him, and he looked okay, but kept not pitching, kept not pitching. They were saying June, then it became July. Comes out today, torn UCL. He's going to lose the entire 2018 season. Probably going to start rehabbing late. Now, you know, we were talking about the Arizona Fall League. Next season in 2018, I'll bet you that's the first time we actually see him, just as a precursor. Maybe throw in some uh, relief, you know, one inning or something. Little one inning stints in the Arizona Fall League in 2018. I don't think he's now, and I mean, this this is a guy that's probably not coming up till 2020. Just to be honest with you, with the setbacks that he had, performance was lacking last year. You have this injury, which is going to lose all the next season. You've got recovery time in 2019. I do not think he is an option for 2020. It is going to hurt his rank. This happened actually. Pulling back the curtain, this actually happened after I recorded this, and I'm kind of inserting this in here, so I didn't add him into the drops as far as injuries go. We've seen a few other. Thomas Sapucky, I've uh, I've adjusted him. You know, James Caprillian, I had adjusted him. So if you're on the lookout for where Anderson Espinosa is going to fall, 
Well, you're going to get it in my August 1st updated ranks because I will be making the adjustment. It is brutal, and it's, it's going to hurt him really, really bad. Last and final thing now, speaking of the Arizona Fall League, we got some info. As you guys know how excited I get because I'm out here in Arizona about the Fall League, you should too, though. It is a, uh, a culmination of some of the top prospects in baseball as well as some that people might not be thinking about. You know, sometimes you see top-ish prospects that rise to the top, like a Cody Bellinger. But sometimes, you know, we see some of these uh, middle-end prospects that make a name for themselves and continue on. Austin Gomber had a fantastic fall league, and he has been a prospect that, you know, guys like like Kyle Glasser of Baseball America values him over, I think, even guys like Jordan Hicks and Sandy Alcantara with the Cardinals. So the first bit of information was finally released for the Arizona Fall League Uh, which was the divisions. And then it looks like the schedule will be be released August 1st. And I don't know when the rosters, like I want to play a game, by the way. I want to play like a game of guessing because what happens is each team gets to send five prospects and there's um, you, they have to have reached double a or triple a to be eligible. But each team also has like an exemption. They can send an international guy and, you know, the youngest they usually go is 19. So I'm going to take a stab and probably post it in this league.com. Maybe I'll talk about it of some of my guesses on who teams are going to send out and what the teams will look like as the season starts up for the Arizona Fall League Tuesday, October 10th. So, you know, if you're into that stuff, you know, I'm into it. I'm taking a couple weeks off to go and I'm going to be out there every single freaking day. And I may bust out a couple few podcasts. So be on the lookout for that. But we got our first bit of information, then the schedule, and then the roster. I think the rosters usually come out like late August or something like that. But the East Division with the Mesa Solar Sox this year, the Cubs, the Tigers, the Astros, the A's, and the Nationals will all be one team. That'll be the Solar Sox. The Salt, and they play in obviously where the Cubs play at Sloan Field out here, which I will be attending. I mean, that's a really stacked roster, by the way. The Cubs, not so much. Tigers have some interesting guys, but the Astros, the A's, and the Nationals. That could be a team, I'm just throwing this out here, that could be a team that's rocking Kyle Tucker and Robles. I'm already like, I'm already excited. Uh, the Salt River Rafters, which will play where the Diamondbacks are, that'll have the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, the Orioles, the Marlins, and the Brewers. Not a particularly strong team, I actually don't think. You know, I don't think the Orioles are going to send, I don't think the Rockies are going to send out a player like Riley Pint. The Brewers will probably hold the majority of the value on this team, so I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. The Scottsdale Scorpions, which will play where the Giants are, has the Giants, the Yankees, the Mets, the Angels, and the Reds. That's going to be a good team. Whoever the uh, Yankees bring out, the Mets, the Angels, and the Reds. All right, that's the East Division. The West Division, the Glendale Desert Dogs, which play at Camelback Ranch, which um, we got to remember, this is where you're starting to get close to where I live. The Desert Dogs, the Glendale Desert Dogs, will have the White Sox and Dodgers, the Indians, the Phillies, and the Pirates. That is going to be a strong team. You know, last year, Kopech, Zach Collins, Moncada, even though they weren't White Sox, were all in the Fall League. Giolito won't be there, but you you could see some of these other top prospects, maybe like an Alec Hansen. And then the Dodgers are stacked, the Phillies are stacked, the Pirates have some pretty good guys. That's pretty good. The Peoria Javelinas, that is where the um, the Padres and Mariners play. We'll have the Padres, Mariners, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Braves. Hashtag maybe Ronald Acuna. That's what we're looking for for the Peoria Javelinas. And then the the stadium that actually, you know what? The Camelback Ranch is probably closest to me. The other one that, but I, it's practically my second home. They know me there, is a surprise stadium where the Royals and Rangers play. They will have the Royals, Rangers, the Rays, the Cardinals, and the Twins. 
I'm kind of liking that one. If Alex Kirilov is uh, doing well in his recovery, they could maybe send him out there. You know how stacked the Cardinals are, the Rays, the Rangers. It's going to be stacked. So that's a little quick little preview of the Arizona Fall League. I'm going to start putting together my guess now that we know what the teams are of who some of these teams will send out. And then we'll see the schedule August 1st, and I'll tell you where I'm going to go. And then we'll take questions, and you guys can maybe send in some of your guest rosters. I'd love to see them and talk about them because it's so the Arizona Fall League is the freaking best. I'm going to give you guys lots of content for it if you're excited uh, this season. And we're going to do some giveaways. I've been I've been meaning to do. Uh, Steve has hooked me up with a really good piece of a, of a giveaway, and I'm going to try to get some memorabilia when I'm out at the Fall League. So we'll be doing giveaways and stuff. So don't go anywhere. Subscribe, rate, review. You want to take it to the next level, you want to support this podcast, and you want some other cool stuff, join the ITL Army. You can find it at patreon.com slash army or a link at inthisleague.com. Otherwise, just make sure you're locked in. Prospect time, baby. Trade deadline. We'll be covering that uh, for sure in the trades, which may actually for sure lead us to an episode next week so we can talk about what happened with some prospect trades if prospects go. For the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, I am the Welsh. See you next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.